joining us in this this study in this video we're going to be taking a closer look at the christian baptism now specifically we're going to be seeing some things that set the baptism that we uh, undergo as followers of christ uh, that sets our baptism apart from others now uh, let me kind of explain some of that see this morning we looked at jesus's baptism and focused a whole lot on his own baptism and really how that baptism reflected the whole nation of Israel coming out of Egypt, out of that land of slavery and being made free into the, the land of freedom. And we, we looked at some of those similarities with Jesus and how his baptism was, was similar to that. But now I want us to see more about our own baptism. Because after all, some of the reasons why Jesus was baptized is a little different than the reasons why we're baptized, right? Or I guess I could say it the other way around. Some of the reasons why we're baptized it's not exactly the same reasons for why Jesus was baptized. And from a, from a historical standpoint, at least, uh, there were some other groups during the days of Jesus that were doing things that were similar uh, to the Christian baptism. You know, there were even some groups who called what they did, you know, baptism or, or you know, immersion. Um, and even the, the Jewish uh, culture themselves, uh, we have evidence that what they would do is when a Gentile, someone from another nation, wanted to become a, a follower of, of uh, the, the God of the Bible and wanted to be invited into the nation of Israel, they had to undergo a baptism of sorts. But that and other types of things during the first century are different than our baptism. And I want us to look at kind of two of what I would say at least are some of the main differences in our baptism and what sets ours apart. And, and I hope that, that you will come uh, away from this study knowing more about baptism and appreciating it more, and uh, maybe even a little bit more willing to, to speak up and share some things with someone who uh, you might know of who, 
who perhaps needs to know this information as well. So let's find out more about baptism together. The first thing that sets our baptism apart, which I think is so crucial, in fact, I would, I would set this up as, as one of the biggest things that sets up our baptism apart from other baptisms, and that is the involvement of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a few different passages as to why I really think that this sets apart the Christian baptism. And I'm not gonna look at all of those in this video with you, but I do wanna share with you one of my favorites and one that I think is, is the most specific of showing that, that contrast that shows us there is a difference in this baptism that's done uh, as following Jesus Christ. So let's see the, the involvement of the Holy Spirit in all of this. And to that, we're gonna turn to John's gospel in John chapter one. Now in John chapter one, Beginning in verse 29 through 34, uh, you're going to notice that this is part of this conversation between John the Baptist and he's, he's talking about Jesus. Now, John the Baptist is the one who was preparing the way for the Lord. He was setting things up and he himself was baptizing, wasn't he? Remember that. So he was baptizing out in the wilderness, but he said something special about Jesus. And he said something special about Jesus' baptism, didn't he? Well, this is that record. And, and we noticed that, that John recognizes there is something different about Jesus, and there's something different about the baptism that's going to take place in the name of Jesus. John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason uh, I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So what did John say about Jesus and about following Jesus and about the baptism that is connected with the name of Jesus? Well, what John says in all of the other gospels as well, and he kind of is repeating right here, is the fact that his baptism, yeah, it involved water. It involved going down into the water, and it's, there's a lot of symbols in that. And I think it's wonderful that we see this baptism about going down into the water and then coming up out of the water. So all of that is great and it's wonderful. And we see that there's several stories throughout the Old Testament that water plays a significant role within. One of those that we looked at even this morning was the, the passing through the Red Sea, which was even called in the, in the scriptures a baptism of sorts. So John came and he was baptizing with water. But the reason for that, he says in verse 39, the reason that he came for that was so that this other one, this God's chosen one, would be revealed to Israel. And he was revealed, okay? And we see that, that uh, in John chapter 1, verse 33, uh, John even says that he didn't know who this was going to be. But he also knew that the one who sent him, which was God, the, our Heavenly Father, the one who sent him to baptize with water told him something. That message that John had received from the Father was, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he testifies that Jesus is that one. 
Now, of course, we see that whenever uh, Jesus was baptized by John, yes, the Holy Spirit came down in, in the form of a dove, and but he remained on him. See, verse 32 is so important, and I don't want us to just kind of skip over this. And maybe you even heard me speak about this before, and that's okay. I mean, I think it's okay because I think this is so important. This is something that we need to stress. We need to be people who are willing and able to speak about the Holy Spirit and that we recognize the role that he plays in our life and the role that he plays even in our baptism. So this right here, the whole purpose for what John was doing and what he was told was there's going to be somebody who's going to be baptizing with the Holy Spirit. John didn't know who he was, but he knew that he was going to see some sign. And that sign happened whenever Jesus was baptized. And John said, that's him. That is God's chosen one. That also means that there's something about this baptism in the name of Jesus. It's connected to the Holy Spirit. We see that in verse 33 because he says that that's the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. You know, John never really talks about his own baptism having the, the, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit being involved in that baptism. Whenever he was calling people to repent and calling people to be baptized, he, he wasn't speaking so much about the Holy Spirit. He was just speaking about they needed to do something. They needed to start following God. But with Jesus, it's different. With Jesus, the Holy Spirit is involved. That's why we have a conversation among some of those in the early church. It's found in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 19. And I want to turn uh, there with you, and I want us to take a look at this conversation that only makes sense if you understand the Holy Spirit is involved in this Christian baptism that we are called to, uh, to undergo. So let's turn there together, Acts chapter 19. In Acts 19, we're going to look at the first seven verses here. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So now right here at this, this passage in Acts chapter 19, we see this conversation that Paul has with these people who, who they've been baptized and he, he kind of understands that, but he asks them the question, you know, did you receive the Holy Spirit whenever you believed? I kind of wonder, how would we as Christians respond to that? How would you respond? Let, let's just kind of make it personal right here. I want you to, to think about the answer to this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit whenever you believed? Well, the way that they responded was they said no. They didn't even know if there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't know those things. And Paul, I just can't help but sort of think that his jaw would just drop at this. Because he asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? And he finds out it's John's baptism. See, John's baptism didn't have the involvement of the Holy Spirit. So you could be baptized with John's baptism and the Holy Spirit not come up. That's because John's baptism was pointing toward, pointing, looking forward to someone else. That is, the baptism is going to be done in the name of Jesus. In verse 4, that's what, that's what uh, is, is 
uh, talked about, the one that's coming after John, that is Jesus. And verse 5 tells us that they all, after they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And guess what that means? That means that what follows in verse 6 is they received the Holy Spirit whenever they believed. Whenever they were baptized, they received the Holy Spirit. So you got these 12 men who their lives have been changed. Yeah, they were trying to follow God before. And they were doing a, at least a pretty decent job of it, I would say, based on you know this conversation. But they were still missing some things. And Paul came along and he, he helped them fill in the gaps. And he helped them to realize the importance about baptism in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is that the Holy Spirit is involved. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in other passages, and we're not going to get into this so much in, in this video, but in other passages, the Holy Spirit is talked about, about speaking, having a conversation with our own spirit. Well, that can only happen whenever we are inviting in the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work within us and through our lives. So did you re receive the Holy Spirit whenever you believed, whenever you were baptized? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, that was a big point of this conversation right here. Because the Holy Spirit is involved in this baptism that is done in the name and following after our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we, we don't have to turn all the way uh, just to Acts chapter 19 in order to find this. We actually see that the Holy Spirit is connected with baptism even from the very first gospel sermon all the way uh, back now in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, without a doubt, these will be some pretty familiar passages, but I want us to take note of them. Because to many of us, whenever we think of Acts 2.38, we just think of repent and be baptized. But there's more. Keep reading. So in Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching. And among that preaching, it hits the people that he's preaching to. And they recognize what they had done. And they just ask the question, what do we need to do? This is the response. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 41. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So this is the first gospel message. The first gospel sermon included repent and be baptized. Yes, that's part of the message, but there's more to it. We need to recognize that this repentance and this baptism needs to be connected in the name, the authority that's found only in Jesus Christ. And connected with this, of course, we see forgiveness of sins. And maybe we get that far, but notice that verse 38 is not finished. Yes, repent and be baptized. The authority, the name of Jesus Christ. And the forgiveness of sins are all mentioned there. But notice that last sentence. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once again, I repeat the statement that what sets our baptism apart from other types of baptisms that might look similar to what we do is when we are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We receive uh, and we see 
that the Holy Spirit is involved in this whole process. See, this promise, it wasn't just for them. Notice in verse 39, it's for all who the Lord our God will call. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that still applies to us today. All of these passages do, that we need to respond to this message in the same type of way. Once we realize what Jesus has done for us, we need to repent of our sins. We need to be baptized, every single one of us. And we need to do this in the name, the authority, the power that's found in Jesus Christ. And why do we do that? To receive forgiveness of sins. That's part of it. But there's more. We also do all of this in order to receive this gift that the Holy Spirit has given to us. In order to receive the Holy Spirit. In order to see the, the Holy Spirit working through us and, and actively taking part in our lives. This is how we invite him in. It's through this process right here. So more about baptism. More about the Christian baptism. It shows that the Holy Spirit is involved in it. But there's one other difference that I, I really want us to, to make sure that we notice this one. The second difference that I want us to, to really notice is the new start that is mentioned. Now, the new start, the reason why I called it a new start is because there's different ways of, of talking about this, this part. Because sometimes we might refer to baptism as like a new birth, you know, a second birth, a, a rebirth. We, we might use all of those different images, and, and all of those are great. But all of those also point toward a new start, don't they? But also connected with baptism, even going off of Acts 2.38 that we just looked at together, um, the idea is to repent. And repentance, it has to do with a new start. So in all the different ways that you want to take this phrase, I believe this is what we're getting at. And this is what's at the heart of this baptism that, that sets Christian baptism apart from other things that look similar. And that is that there is a new start to all of this. You might also connect this, this new start with the forgiveness of sins. And I'm saying all of these things are accurate. Yeah, it can be described as a rebirth, as a, as a second birth, a, a new birth, born, from, uh, born again, born from above. We can use multiple phrases. It has to do with repentance and, and changing, making actual changes in your life. And it also has to do with receiving forgiveness of sins. All of those are ways that we can talk about this new start. So this passage that I want to share with you is a few verses from Romans chapter 6, talking about this new beginning. Romans chapter 6. I know it's kind of a lengthy passage right here, but it's really hard to stop it at any one place. But notice what Paul says about baptism. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lived, he lives to God. 
In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in uh, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of, of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. This whole passage is talking about this new start. We see some differences that are mentioned right here. Yeah, our baptism is connected to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This passage makes that pretty plain in verses 3 and 4. But that has to do with this new start, being raised up in this new life. It, it, it talks about how that our, our old self, it was crucified. That was done away with. We've died with Christ. But because we've died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. See, that's something. These are all different things that set apart the Christian baptism because we are reflecting and we are reminding and kind of reenacting, if you will, in our own baptism. We are reenacting the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That sets our baptism apart. That even sets our baptism apart from the baptism that Jesus himself was baptized with. You know, whenever I'm talking about that one in the Jordan River by, by John. Jesus was baptized. But he also didn't do it because he needed uh, this, this fresh start, not in the same way we need it. He also didn't do it because he, he needed forgiveness of sins. No, he, he did it as what's stated in, in Matthew is to fulfill all righteousness. Like that, That's the reason as to why he did it was to fulfill all righteousness. And we, we see that. And that is also part of why we are baptized as well, isn't it? Because in order to be righteous with, with God and in God's sight, we need to be following God, whatever he might ask of us. And one of the things that he has asked of us is to make this new start in our life, to turn things around in our life and to follow Jesus Christ every day. Because we know that if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We need to make sure that we are people who will live every single day of our lives, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. There's a lot of things that are so great about this baptism that we undergo in the name of Jesus Christ. For starters, we see the involvement of the Holy Spirit, but we also see this fresh start that baptism can give us. I hope that you've experienced that fresh start by being baptized. And if not, I hope that you would consider that. And I hope that you would, would reach out, if you haven't been baptized already, that you would reach out to a church uh, near you or, or even, you know, a, a, our own church. I'm kind of speaking because I know sometimes people might even watch this that aren't necessarily part of our church. Reach out to somebody and make sure that you, you step out in faith. And as you do that, because it's one of the things that God asks us, make that fresh start today if you haven't done so already. And then after you make that fresh start, keep encouraging one another. Because if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. When such a gift came down to me when all around was lost. He changed my life, he made me whole, he paid my bitter cost. The last command my Savior gave, just before he had to part. The great commission song.
has asked me to impart the great commission starts in the heart.